Wait, are you... <laughs> are you gonna count me in? Whatever. I'm just gonna go for it. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say Queen's rule. But they don't. Queen's lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. And they're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. Now here's your host, Amy Singleton, the queen of realness. Leading conversations about business, life, and the real shit you want to know. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast. Today, I am so honored to be joined by Natasha Sharma. She is from India, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And she is the owner of Body Speak. Welcome, Natasha. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for having me. We're so happy that you're here and joining us very late in the evening for you. So uh, <laughs> we're so happy to have international guests here lately. It's been a lot of fun to learn uh, from you guys. So please introduce yourself and tell us who you are, what you're all about. So my name is Natasha Sharma. I uh, live in Bombay, India. I'm originally from the UK. I am an author, a writer. Um, a writer, a author, writer, <laughs> speaker, and um, a mentor. I work with money and manifestation. And my mission is to talk about death openly and often so that my I will know that my mission is complete when it becomes an easy day-to-day -day dinner table conversation. We should be able to discuss our death as easily as we can be planning our next birthday party. We need to accept that we are going to die, that the people that we love are going to die so that it doesn't necessarily mean that the grieving process will be easier, but it definitely won't be as uncertain as it currently is with the lack of conversation. So my first book was a collaboration where I wrote about the connection between death and abundance. And that was published in August. And I have another collaboration coming out in January called Mindset Mastery. And that is all about the self-awareness journey. And so I'm so glad to be here and have a conversation on any topic you choose, Amy. Oh, man. Well, the topic is you. I'm so interested <laughs> to learn more about you. Um, tell us how you got, like, what, what's your history? What was your first career of choice? And how did you move into what you're doing now? Interesting. Interesting question. So um, I basically always wanted to be an actress. Okay. And when I, when my father had one condition, he was like, you need to finish university and then, then you can do whatever you want. So when I finished university, I had two choices uh, sitting in England. I wanted to be part of a cosmopolitan city. I wanted to be um, in a place where I could be rewarded for the work that I put in. So I had two choices. One was New York and one was Bombay. And I chose Bombay and I went to India, even though I didn't have any family there or any kind of network or support, you know, youth, it gives yeah, you all the power. Yeah. I that couldn't do it today. terrifying I, to me. Bravo mm -hmm. for that kind of bravery. How old were you at that time? 24. Which oh as gosh. far as the acting thing is concerned was a bit old. But yeah. as far as youth is con concerned, 
you know, yeah, you can do anything at that age. I couldn't do it today, that's for sure. Um, not without a lot of thought. Um, anyway, so I jumped on the plane and I, I went to India. I went to film school. And very quickly, I realized that that's not actually what I wanted to do. Because I, again, because of the folly of youth, I actually thought that the casting couch wasn't real. I thought that, you know, some people might, not everyone has to. And I very quick, quickly learned that it was very, very real. And I was <laughs> like, uh, uh, not for me. Um, so I, uh, went into direction and production instead. And so most of my career I've been in advertising, I've been making films uh, on the back end. Um, and then I think as well, uh, 15 years of living in India, I was kind of like, okay, I I'm done now. Um, it's time for me to go home. You know, all my friends were married. The single life was over. I wasn't yeah. married. I, you know, everyone was having young families. The whole dynamic had changed. Yeah. And even professionally, I hadn't reached the level that I needed to be at at that stage uh, to sustain for the long run. And so I decided to make a career transition. So I thought, okay, I'll go back to the UK. But in order to do that, I want to be able to take a different skill that I can offer. So that's when I studied clinical hypnotherapy. And I took that very seriously when my first teacher um, in my first class said that you'll be learning a lot of exercises and a lot of like ways in which to help people heal. But it's the most effective if you take those techniques and heal yourself. And I was like, okay. And I took that very, very seriously. And then, so I started my self-awareness journey from there, which was basically about eight or no, it was about, sorry, nine, 10 years ago. Wow, it was 10 years ago. <laughs> Um, and a lot of things started automatically shifting in my life because as you can imagine, each exercise that you do in a course is for a different reason. So it's not like when I get a client who's come with a specific issue. So a lot of things started like shifting in my life. And one of the things that um, I wasn't really aware of, but, you know, my distrust of men because my parents didn't have a, a very good relationship. And so um, it was very highly dysfunctional. And so. I never really trusted men, which was the reason that I never had a successful relationship. Mm. Um, I mean, I adored them. They adored me. They're all still my friends, but I it never stuck. There was always like a lot of acrimony and stuff. And so um, because this shifting happened without me being aware of it, I had this friend who then became, it just organically involved. And now I've been married to him for, it'll be six years in, in February. <laughs> nice. And so... <laughs> So I ended up staying back in India instead of taking my qualification and going back to England. And um, from there, my journey has just been an evolving um, thing, taking me to different heights where now it's brought me to a, a point where when I'm saying author, I'm actually like overriding it with writer because just recently I've understood that it's not just being an author, I'm I am getting all these invitations to write for courses, to um, rewrite something somebody's written. And I'm like, oh, okay, I now need to get in my head that I'm a writer. Like, you know, yeah. and so, um, yeah, so that that's what's happening. And it's just, it's just a lot of like shifting, a lot of like, you know, next leveling up and a lot of like uh, dynamism that's happening in my life in the last, um, from the last year. It's really accelerating. So I really believe that I'm, I'm here definitely for a very, a very dynamic purpose. I no longer think it is important for me to identify what that is, just to accept and go with the flow and serve to the best of my ability 
with intention wherever I am and whatever the opportunity is in front of me at that point in time. And it really is a fantastic way to live. And when I and that's when I started using the word queen just two weeks ago, saying that, yes, I'm the queen of my life. I, you know, all of you, including my husband, like you are my minions and you're my consort. You're not my king. And I swear I said all of these things. And then a couple of weeks later, here we are on the queen's lead where you send me an that's email right. saying hi queen. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like that's my life, Amy, right now. I can't begin to tell you anything I say, anything I imagine is manifested immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Changing that mindset is, is a very difficult thing to do, but once you do it, it's like an entire new world opens up before you. It's magic. It is magical. What, what were some of those, um, you know, in order to help others, you said you had to heal yourself other outside Mm -hmm. of that, the male, um, relationship dynamic, what else did you have to work on to come to the place that you're at now? So one of the one of the major defining things for my trauma was losing my mother when I was very young. Mm. I lost her when I was 16. And that is I mean, there's never a good age to choose to lose your mother. But 16 is definitely very challenging because you're anyway, your mother's your enemy. You, you know, are fighting against um, the system. You want to rebel whether you have a cause or not. And, you know, uh, I hate you is a common refrain between mothers and daughters and stuff. And to lose her at that age um, was difficult. I had two younger siblings who I was very clear I wasn't going to be their uh, fill-in mother. And that created a whole lot of uh, tension. But I just had that that understanding that, no, I'm not going to put my life on hold. And that wasn't very kind or very compassionate of me, but that's what I did. And um, then it took me 30 years to actually cycle through the grief process to actually fully accept. Um, I spent most of my time in the anger uh, stage. It, you know, I, that's the reason I could fly around the world and do whatever I wanted to do because I was just looking for that peace, I guess. I wasn't mm-hmm. aware that I was looking, but I was looking. And um, yeah, if I finally, uh, finally reconciled myself to that, um, that was, that was huge. The whole understanding why I chose a life where my soul would be motherless, where I would be a girl and where I would have no mother. There's there's a story there. There's a story on the grief. There's a story on the relationship that she left me with, like where I felt I had to fight my father on her behalf. You know, there's so many layers to this. And then, um, and then, you know, whatever I picked up along the way, how I perceived the world, how I thought the world treated me, how I deserved to be treated. There was all these things that basically sloughed off during the course. But then as I started practicing and then when I really did the introspection and the self-awareness, like when I when I say this, I basically mean wherein I finally came to the point where I am 100% responsible for my own thoughts, feelings and emotions which is where I am today, Um, that it doesn't matter what happened to me that that was in the past. I can forgive myself. I can forgive others and I can embrace the lessons here today because there is nothing beyond acceptance and surrender to what is. Everything else we just make up in our mind and we just make things just more difficult for ourselves. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
I, oh, I, I've never resonated with something more in the last few years than taking personal responsibility for the things that happen to us or that we cause to happen in our own lives. I mean, it's a little easier to take responsibility for those things that we caused, but taking responsibility for something external is so difficult to, to say, no, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the cause of this, but I have a responsibility in this situation to myself and to others mm -hmm. around me. And that's the only way we can really serve ourselves is by taking a look and going, okay, where's my role in this? How do I fit in? And what do I have to do to move forward? Exactly. And like you said, it's not easy and I'm not trivializing it. I'm not saying that, oh, it was a breeze and I did it. No, no, it, 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 it's been it's been challenging. It's had its ups and downs. And, and but the self-healing, I mean, the healing process, whether you go to therapy or you use any other modality, yoga, I mean, you know, what whatever, uh, Reiki, there are so many different ways to get to the same result, which is basically self-awareness and self-responsibility. Um, and that is the journey and that is continuous and that we have to be continue being kind to ourselves, that we will never know all the answers, but we still know more than we did yesterday. And to yeah. embrace yeah. that and to find power in that so that you can go on to the next step and find power there. So to realize that it's a journey and that it is not a destination. That's it. That's it. And being, being satisfied with where we are and not living in that, um, that gap thinking, like, you know, appreciating where you've come from to the point you are now, instead of being so focused on that next sales goal or that next goal in your personal life or fitness goal. I think a lot of times we really hesitate to stop and appreciate from where we've came and how much we've gained in our life. It's so easy to get wrapped up in that. What's next? What's next? What's next? But being present with yourself and appreciating every moment has gone a long way from my personal development in that way as well. <clears throat> yes, me too. And that's, that's the whole gratitude piece, isn't it? To yeah. like, to unlock those future, whatever the goals might be, your fitness goals, your sales goals, whatever goal, it is important to pause today to be grateful for what we have today, which mm -hmm. is a result of what we did yesterday. And then to be open to accept what's coming next. And another thing on this note, this is like a recent download that I've had that is just really, really powerful. It's very obvious. It's very commonsensical. But, um, you know, it's surprising that I haven't stated it before. I don't know a lot of people who have stated it. But basically, if we stay in that state of gratitude and the expansion in the present moment, and we don't think about the future, if we manage not to, and we leave ourselves open, to the expansion of the universe or God or source, whatever word you want to use, if you just leave yourself open, it is absolutely amazing what opportunities come your way. When we have these sort of really fixed stated goals, we really limit the potential of the universe out there. I've seen it time and time again in my life right now that if this is what I had imagined for myself, I could not have imagined this for myself. So whatever I've imagined for myself is X, but what I what the opportunities I'm getting is 10X. And I'm like, whoa, I need to stop like planning. I need to yeah. completely stop planning and just have faith that yes. in this in the energy of growth and expansion and just living in joy and gratitude just opens up all the doors. Yes. We don't absolutely. have to know how and when. No, we don't. And I think we really like 
that, that resonates with me so much. The day of this recording is the day before Thanksgiving here in the United States. This episode won't be airing till February, but how timely to talk about that Thanksgiving because in gratitude, because I think, I think a lot of times, at least in my past, I've been clutching so hard to something that is the equivalent of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. Like that's mm-hmm. all I want is this PBJ. Like that's my goal. It's the best thing I can imagine for myself. But if I stop with that expectation, the universe has a Thanksgiving spread for me. I just, I'm so clutched to this peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I'm not, I can't even see what the universe has in store for me. So I love that you, that you said that. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's great. I love that analogy. It really is so good because, you know, the universe can give you the PB&J so easily. But what about that whole buffet spread that's right over there? That's right. That's right. We don't even know it's there. We think that's for other people, you know, not for us. We're the same as whoever is there. (laughs) Exactly. So that is the self-worth piece. If you haven't healed enough, if you haven't uncovered enough layers and done enough work of the shadows that those layers have left behind, that's how it's like a constant process. Um, if you haven't done that, then it will it will equal your self-worth. Whatever's balance is your self-worth. And that equals your bank balance. Your bank yeah. balance will tell how far you've come on the uh, on the path. That's right. It's very interesting. It's all connected. Yeah. So talk a little bit about how the, um, the hypno, the hypnosis piece works, uh, with your clients when they come to you, um, stuck. So I have a whole toolkit in which I guess you could say the most predominant certification is the clinical hypnotherapy. It gives me an understanding of the subconscious mind, the conscious mind. I can explain to somebody who's new to the process, how the mind works and how our past traumas affect our present and how hypnotherapy can help access those memories and reframe them so that we can reach a state of alignment today. So I use it as a tool, but that's not my uh, primary, um, like I said, it's in my toolbox. And mm-hmm. but I don't work only as a clinical hypnotherapist in most cases. It's mm-hmm. so I work with my clients on their um growth journey and whatever tool I need at whatever point in time I pull out. Mm -hmm. So of course I do use a lot of like, sort of like um, regression techniques to access the inner child, the past life if if needed. A lot of the uh, mind, body, soul connection of diseases and physical injuries that helps my clients and me reach um, the root cause of a lot of like uh, things. Because um, if something shows up in a certain part of the body, it corresponds to a certain emotion that respond that corresponds to a certain memory and experience they had. So we do use that a lot as a, a clue finder. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I do the regression uh, bits as well. But um, right now, I've been working with people who are already on their self awareness journey who are really committed to the, you know, that I want to learn how to live and continue to exist in this high vibe state. And so I hold space for them as a cheerleader 
as well as a, you know, okay, if you want to do some more work today, here we go. But sometimes we can just check in and just have a chat and like, oh, you're doing so well. Yay. You know, I just do that as well as we celebrate. We basically just hold space for each other and uh, be witnessed uh, when they're ready to just level up because to have a strong community, I cannot emphasize strongly enough that at whatever stage of life anybody is in, to have people around you who actually value value you without judgment and with uh, love is that you really need that. You, each of us need to find our tribe. When I found my tribe of all these people who I work with, we work with each other, the spirit of collaboration. Um, my life has changed in so many ways because when we step out into the real world, like people who don't have conversations like you and I are right now, if we don't have that support, that drags us back down. We start to question everything that we are thinking sometimes which is why in the next chapter i'm writing about that i'm writing here we go again like why again i'm back here again i've done so much work why why so it's having these people around you if it's one best friend who listens to you without judgment without feeling that they have to fix you or give you advice find that person and keep them yeah yeah and those people change throughout our life sometimes so we i just we're saying it yesterday with someone else, you know, it's some people are there for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And as we grow and reiterate ourselves and become more self-aware, sometimes it's hard to let go of those people that are not, um, that are no longer serving us and that we can no longer serve. That, that's a very interesting dynamic to follow. Um, how do you, uh, how do you coach people in that? So, I mean, it's a repetition of what we said before, right? So that's where the acceptance piece really kicks in and the surrendering and the gratitude. So like you said, the reason, season, lifetime. To understand that my friend or colleague or, you know, a cousin who I was briefly very close to, whatever it might be, that there was either a reason for it or a season for it, or they're here for my lifetime. It's not necessary that everyone has to be there for all three or one of the three or whatever. So mm-hmm. it is to um, be grateful for what we did share, to be an acceptance of, okay, it is what it is. We've outgrown each other clearly because it is all energy at the end of the day. So if my energy is not matching your energy, we're not going to have a very nice conversation. Like you're going to, you're going to be looking at the clock, waiting for it to get over. I'm going to be like, you know, there's no passion in this, right? Like that, that's how the energy energies match. And the same thing for our relationships, whether it's in with our friends or with our families. And when that vibrational match of the energetic, match of the the vibration of those energies when it becomes disconnected the the relationship cannot last Mm -hmm. and again there's nothing to say that even if we're disconnected today and we don't speak for the next couple of years that the person might not come back so there's so much we don't know that's that's the future piece that I was talking about we don't know what lies ahead so why would we want to really cry about it right now you never know you could be on a plane going somewhere you could be in the same resort one day I mean you know it's just Like, why stress about it? So the surrender I talk about is not a giving up. It's a giving in to the process. That's what Mm -hmm. I mean by surrender, to the beautiful process. Like if you are religious and you believe... And, you know, you believe in God and Christ and you believe in that that kind of surrender that I have faith you will take care of me. And so I give in to the process. I will float down this river with you. I will have no questions and I will have no agenda. And that's where the miracles 
miracles lie. And again, I know, I know it sounds a bit surface level, but this has come to me through my own experience. I've I've really worked hard. I've had a tough life, but if I've come out of the other, other side to say this stuff, um, it's kind of like hoping to inspire people through my through my own experiences, basically. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's my entire goal as well is to to bring that hope to other people who have been through, you know, who've been through the trenches of life and go, you know what, this is what you can look like on the other side of that. There, there's some hope ahead. You know, um, you said something earlier that I'd like to kind of revisit you. We talked about defining things, needing, I know as humans, we have this innate need to categorize things and, and, and name them and define them. And for me, um, I am an autoimmune disease sufferer. I've been diagnosed with a host of things like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and some other, like a a list this long. And I spent so Mm. much time trying to define what symptom was attached to which diagnosis and like just really obsessed in my mind about how I felt and, and what was affecting my body. And I needed to name that. And Mm -hmm. when I got, when I stepped away from the support groups online for other people suffering like that and all of the negative talk and negative speak and talking about symptoms and quit trying to define, oh, my elbow hurts today. That's my RA and just accepted. This is my life. How can I navigate this? Regardless of what it's called, my symptoms improved. I did nothing. I I actually stopped my medications. I list this long of medications and started working on what's between my ears separating myself from that negative speak and stop trying to define what it was that was hurting me. And that's so hard to explain to someone else how I got there. Like you said, that journey was so meandering and, and long, but once I got there, it was like, holy crap, this is a totally different world for me and my body. Yes. Yes. What, I, what I, do, you, I do, you, do you find that other people have a need to define the things in their life or that, you know, that this trauma called caused this thing? All the time. And in fact, even if we don't get into a deep conversation like the whole trauma story, even if you talk about day to day language, people just, you know, even the whole. So I, I am very careful about the words that I use and I, re, I actively refuse to do this labeling thing because mm-hmm. there's each person's perspective of that label is unique, which is not taken into account. And anything, any new thought that's out there becomes a buzzword, which then means something else entirely. And then you mm-hmm. have whole camps forming around it and I'm like what why you know the whole spirituality thing or nowadays uh, people are misusing the word alignment people are you know they've all just become buzzwords the minute something becomes a buzzword and becomes a label it loses all integrity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you don't know who's using the word why in which context which takes me back to having a conversation with people who are energetically matched. Like when you and I are talking and we use these words, we're using them intentionally to convey a certain message. Whereas Mm -hmm. you go out there and you just, let's say you're a part of a casual conversation and you hear it dropped. It literally is name dropping, label dropping to show how, I don't know how cool they are or how much they understand, but I really would. I, it, it's my experience that if you really have a conversation with them, their self examination is not on. It's not. It's, it's not a non process. They're just onboarding all this extra stuff from things that they're reading, but there's very little sort of 
absorption because mm-hmm. the people who do absorb and who are making the shifts they don't talk like that Mm-mm. they're they're taking that information absorbing it and then implementing it in their life mm-hmm. instead of just reading and being aware of this new values or culture or alignment or intention right. and all these words like you said that people use um, you have to put it into practice in your own life yes. and prove that method in yourself before you can really intelligently speak about how to how to get to that that buzzword place. <laughs> I exactly. love that. so it's a pet peeve of mine so if I'm like for example in a clubhouse room and there's you know the dear friends of mine and their coaches and whatever but I know that they've picked up this new the the word recently I will not have a conversation around it I will like talk about the same subject without the buzzword that's it yeah yeah Little game like I like to play with myself because, um, you know, I'm so aware that each person is so unique, you know, um, and again, that is, uh, it's, it's a buzzword, isn't it? Everyone's talking about how unique people are, but people actually don't believe it because we still want people to fit in. We still want people to belong. We still want them to be trained a certain way through through our, through our education system and the kind of jobs that we offer traditionally. Um, so we still want assistance. We don't really, as a, even globally, it's not just a, the American culture or the British culture or the Indian culture. We don't really um, encourage uniqueness, but we are each unique. I mean, I the example that I use is that for people who don't belong to the Wu camp at all, for them, if they say, oh, you mean you're unique, right? Okay, if you, do you agree that there are no, two set of thumbprints that are alike, like even twins have separate thumbprints. Oh yes, that's proven, right? Okay, so you can have a criminal database that goes around the whole world and any thumbprint ever is on file and they're all different. That's fine for you. Snowflakes, each one under the microscope is different. But if I tell you that our beliefs, values, systems, the way that we've experienced life, even in the same family, the same brothers and sisters, the same parents, same food, same everything can be completely different. You find that difficult to believe. I mean, really? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so innate in us to need to categorize, you know, and even mm-hmm. ourselves. We want to, I spent so many years just begging myself to fit in with others, you know, and, and realizing in my 40s that. I'm not for everybody. They're not going to all like me, but guess what? There's like 8 billion people on this planet. So if 0.1% of people resonate with me, those are the people I want in my tribe anyway. I don't need to fit in with the rest of that. I'm who I am unapologetically now. And it's given me so much freedom in my life and my business and my parenthood and my, in my life overall, just to know that that I am unique and I am different and everybody has a story to tell and we can help one another as long as we're not trying to fit people in this box. Exactly. And you know, the words that you use, and I kid you not, I've said exactly the same words about myself and my life. And, you know, it really amazes me how much time you and I spent being awkward or feeling bad that we didn't fit in. And it really, really blows my mind that why couldn't we have just been been given permission to just be? What was this huge agenda that we had to belong to this homogeneous blob of everybody? Because no one actually really gets along with anybody. Who even came up with this concept? Yeah, you know, yeah, I just don't yeah. get it. You know? I don't know. I you know, and I I 
I guess I've, I've failed to think it's just the American culture, but it's so beautiful to hear that you experienced that in the UK and in India and everywhere else that you've traveled. It's just such a human condition to, it's human to condition. want to belong. Yeah. Yes. But, but, but I, I see a shift though. I see a shift coming, you know, of not, um, maybe not being quite as, um, categorized as we were like when I was a teenager in my early twenties, um, I see a big shift in the mindset of our young people that so many people, my age discount, um, they're starting to see things for like how they really are. Uh, and the individuality is really beginning to come out more in in that younger segment, which I love. I think it's our future. They are our future. So, uh, to have a different mindset coming into their, into their adulthood, I think it's going to be really valuable for the globe for everywhere. That is true. That is true with the, you know, with the emerging um, trend of encouraging youngsters to discover themselves, to explore themselves, the whole gender fluidity to, you know, really explore and to understand who you are. The only thing that I hope that as this wave continues, like you said, and changes, you know, um, the only thing constant in life is change. And, you know, uh, that's evolution. Um, I just hope that the world catches up on the other side to support them with the, I mean, this, the next generation with the practicalities that they need to live their lives. Like while we were like basically another brick in the wall, like the whole factory machinery, the stuff that Pink Floyd, you know, sang about (laughs) as long as we were, as long as we were that um, there was a system, you know, that supported the whole socioeconomic, um, the whole uh, po- political thing. Now with this, there's a reason that people aren't encouraged to be individual because there's no control then. There's no systems then. So yeah. so then when, when this generation grows up, what jobs are they going to seek? What What's the world going to look like? Has the, has the socioeconomic political landscape evolved as well? Maybe it will, because we're talking about taking care of the planet now more and more and more. We're talking about climate change. We're talking about softer skills. We're talking about the fact that we're human beings and not doings there. More buzzwords for you, right? So, you know, that we've actually come to earth to enjoy ourselves, not to work nine to five, burn out, retire at 60 and not know what to do with yourself. I mean, I'm quite sure that's not why life was created. You know, I hope not. (laughs) yeah I think we've come a long way since the 1950s um you know get a good job work there 40 years retire and die have two kids 2.2 kids in the process and a dog and a cat you know we're we're definitely shifting to a different uh, more humanized society I say that all the time when people ask us about uh, you know, with our marketing agency, people ask us about social media and, and, you know, the older generation is, I'm not going to pay someone to sit around and play on their phone. Despite the fact that we're disconnected and connecting more online, I still feel like the the globe is shifting to a more humanized society than ever. It's just the ways that we connect are different. I'm speaking to you right now from Oklahoma in the United States. It's night there. It's morning here. And here we are resonating with one another. And, and I feel more connected to you than I felt connected to people, you know, in my own community this week. So I think we're really having a huge shift to a much more humanized society than some of the older generations would like to, to perceive. Yes. I, I agree with you 100%. That's what gives me hope. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just, I think that, um, just the way that we connect is changing. You know, my parents met on the CB radio. Do you remember those? Like the, yes. that was the internet of the seventies. That's how they met. And so, um, you know, the online thing is so scary for people, but I really do see people wanting to see more vulnerability, more realness, more humanized. Why do we pretend that we're not human? We have so many zoom calls. I see regularly, you know, babies on laps, dogs in the background. We are humans. Why do we try so hard to pretend that we're not? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like you said, the Zoom thing is just, you know, you're, you, you can show up more authentic. I think it's just having, that's what I was trying to talk about the tribe as well. Like having that support. It's so important. Like I continue coming onto platforms like yours to have these conversations because it reaffirms what I'm doing it reaffirms what I'm thinking. And because of the internet, the fact that we can connect this way and find our kindred spirits from all over the globe, it is, that is, that is magic. That's absolute is. like uh, magic. And that that's how my tribe is. I mean, my tribe is everywhere. I mean, all over the United States, there's a couple of people in Canada. There's a, a very strong uh, support base I have in Australia. Yeah. Brought up Australia in Nepal. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, and I and I get it. Like for, for the older generation, I mean, this this is not real. Like, because it's it's our screens, it's people we've never met. How do you know her? Is she your friend? Like, yeah, the, none yeah. of it is there's no there's no context mm-hmm. for them at all. It's like almost imaginary. Like, at least the radio for the radio for them was magical enough. Um, like you said about your parents, but it was like disembodied voices, but they finally got to, you know, put a face to to, to them, uh, to those voices. But then they got TV. Now for them, I guess a laptop is like the TV, isn't it? It's like a moving image. How can that be a real person, right? So um, for them to take the leap of faith to realize that you and I are actually having a genuine, authentic conversation, I think, you know, is a bit difficult. Yeah. And even for me being in, I mean, my, my entire job is digital marketing. We do everything we do is online and I have teenage boys. It took me, you know, a decade ago, I was saying, how, how are you friends with that guy on call of duty? He lives in Arkansas. You live in Oklahoma. You've never (laughs) met him. How can you say that my son Brady has a, a kid named Christian that he plays with that he's met now? He actually has met him one time now, but years ago I was going, you don't know him. You're just a character in a game together. And it really took some mind mindset work for me to understand. And I hate to admit that it was coming into my current role in owning a digital marketing agency that really mm-hmm. opened my eyes to the fact that, oh my gosh, I was wrong. And I had to go to my kids and say, you know what? I was wrong. I see your connection with your friends. I see that this is your space. This is how you connect and communicate it. For me, it was the skating rink here, you know, but, and it was in person, but it's different now. And, and it just, even recognizing that in my forties, I can only imagine how difficult it is for my grandmother or my parents to recognize that fact. Yes, exactly. And you know, the other thing is like, okay, speaking of grandmothers, my grandmother, um, luckily passed away before the pandemic. Um, but, and she was quite hip. She would, uh, she learned how to use Facebook. She would use it to, you know, she scroll every day to check on what different people have posted. And yeah. she would, yeah. um, she didn't use WhatsApp, but she, 
yeah, Facebook, but she did it and she did it a lot more um, easily than her children, like my aunts and uncles did. Like she was a lot more, um, like I said, hep. Um, but the pandemic is when everything really changed. Mm-hmm. It accelerated our ability to connect globally from the whole work from home, the whole hybrid thing, the whole, you know, and if my and my grandmother would have stayed connected to people through Facebook, but she wouldn't have needed, there would have been no need for her to take the next step to Zoom. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's where the a bigger shift has happened with the older generation mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And even for us, um, the amount of like, you know, uh, podcasting or the amount of like events that are still happening online just because of the sheer convenience of not having to commute, we have kept the best part of the pandemic going that you and I will have conversations like this. Like I can be part of panel discussions in, you know, Australia, because even within Australia, just because you live in Australia, Australia is huge. You can't like easily fly to each other's cities. You yeah. know, it costs money. Somebody sponsoring you. So this, this, this has been like, you know, I think has forwarded, fast forwarded us globally, um, a couple of decades. I agree completely, and I'm I'm very grateful for for that. Um, you know, the pandemic did bring a lot of bad things, but I think this has been the absolute best thing to come out of that is the freedom in in communication, but also people recognizing, like you said, the younger generation. Um, they have options and they recognize now that they have options and they're not just looking for that nine to five and two weeks vacation and some blue cross insurance. Like they want an experience. They want to know that their actual values are aligned with those they're going to work for and those that they're in, uh, in community with. And I, I love that it's opened up and it's, it's causing entrepreneurs and business owners to have to be better. We have to do a better Mm -hmm. job of, of creating those jobs that we've been called to create and creating those communities and giving a good experience to those that we bring into our tribe. I think it's elevated us all. Absolutely. And even as a parent, what you were saying, I mean, I understand what you're saying about the whole call of duty and not, not, not believing or understanding how they, how, how they were friends, but mm-hmm. now because of the pandemic and you having to, you know, be online as well and you making authentic connections yourself, you also understand this, this, this world better than traditional mm-hmm. evolution where we would always be having to play catch up. Yeah. Right. Um, like today, if your sons decided to, I don't know, go to Spain because they can, they can be a digital nomad or they can go off to any kind of like Caribbean island and just like sit with a laptop and work. You, you are today in a position to say, yes, go for it. If you agree oh. with it, because you know how it works. Whereas pre pandemic, you would be like, what, excuse me, like what kind of work, what do you mean? You're going to go off with your laptop yeah. and be sitting on the beach and working. Like how could that yeah. work? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a whole new, um, yeah, a whole new experience for them. Um, I can't believe this time has gone by so fast. (laughs) I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, tell us a little bit more about how someone can work with you. If they're hearing this podcast, they're resonating with that change, wanting to, um, dig deeper into themselves and self-discovery. How can they work with you? I'll be very honest with you that I have a lot of things um, evolving. I don't really have like some specific offer to pitch. 
um, I mentioned my books. So the best way to, uh, to stay connected with me, because I know there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up in 2023 and 2024. There's a lot of opportunities. And like I said, I, I'm just leaving myself open to it. So yeah. following me on Instagram is where you'll get posted on whatever comes up in my life. You can buy wealth, wealth codes, sacred strategies for abundance. There's a lot of like gems in there. I have my link tree on Instagram and on Facebook, which has everything, my books. It has uh, podcasts I've been on um, and then the book that's coming out. Well, where this is going to be aired in February. So it will have come out on the 17th of January, Mindset Mastery. Again, full of gems, 25 chapters, 25 authors, something for everyone. It's all about the stuff that you and I have been talking about today. So um if your listeners grab copies of those, either Kindle or soft copy, perhaps uh, it's all, you know, it's all cool, but keep in touch, follow me. I am giving my uh, chapter from Wealth Goals actually to your listeners. If they email me, um, if you put in the show notes, Queens Rock, no, WC11 Queens Rock. In the subject, I will send you a PDF version of my chapter from Wealth Codes, which is the beauty of the end game, finding abundance through accepting death. Nice. I talk a little bit about the grieving process there and I talk about my um, how I dealt with my mother's death um, there, mm -hmm. as I mentioned on the show earlier. Well, thank you so much for that gift to our audience. Everybody go and follow Natasha on Instagram uh, slash bodyspeak.in. You can keep up with her there. Yeah. Thank you so much for being my guest and thank you for being a queen that leads. 